Last week I was sharing with you uh, really uh, just about living by faith. And you know, as believers, we are called to live by faith. And that means that God, because why? Because God is a stretching God. God doesn't like to leave us alone. He wants us to stretch. And why? Because he wants to use us to do more than we realize. But that's going to require us cooperating with him. And, uh, you know, last week I was sharing with you, uh, you know, just some things uh, that are very meaningful to me. And I believe that, uh, you know, and I'll share some more along this line this morning with you. But uh, I shared with you one of my favorite quotes is that many people live their life to arrive safely at death. They never take a chance. They never take a risk. Even when it's God initiated, they just are playing it safe, playing for keeps, you know. I mean, don't want to take too many risks. And, you know, I know this is uh, kind of funny, but yesterday I was watching uh, LSU win their game, praise the Lord. And, uh, but, I was, you know, at halftime they had, um, I guess, honored the team that had won the national championship years ago and Les Miles was there. You know, and so some of you know who that is. He was the coach of LSU. Well, early on in his tenure at LSU, they called him the Mad Hatter because he took risk. He would do crazy things that nobody expected. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they just did that. But it worked. And so, but as time went on, he began to become a little more conservative and to play it a little safe. Well, ultimately, the team didn't do very well, although that depends on how you define well. If you're an Arkansas fan, we were doing great. But as an LSU fan, sorry, you know. By the way, we're having a tailgate in about a month, and uh, you might know. But uh, but anyhow, but he was known for this. He would just call these plays. He would do fake punts and fake field goals and just all this stuff. And you're just like, man, that guy is gutsy. But you know what? He won a lot of football games because he did things that were unpredictable. So let me ask you a question. Have you become predictable to the enemy? Like where he just says, oh, well, they're not going to stretch out and actually believe what God says in the word. So I'm good because I realize that they're going to play it safe. They're going to keep it close. They're they're, they're not going to really stretch out to believe God to do what God already said that he would do. So they're just going to. So I'm not really threatened by them. See, I believe that to the enemy, we ought to be unpredictable. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, we are countercultural as Christians. I mean, the Bible talks about this, that, that there are people who, even in their uh, great despair, had great joy. Well, that doesn't make sense. It also says about those same people, the Macedonian, that even in their great poverty, that they were very generous. Well, those things don't go, how does great poverty bring about great generosity? What well, doesn't make sense? You know, and, and God is a God that, the Bible even says that he would confound the wisdom of men. In other words, God's not always logical. I don't know if you've experienced this. God always has a plan, but his logic and our logic are not the same things. And what we define as risk, I believe he defines as pleasing to him. Now, I'm not saying to be dumb or to be foolish. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit in doing these things. But I believe if we're not careful, we can just play it safe, not realizing that we're even doing that because God wants to do more in you and for you and ultimately through you, through me. And so last week I was sharing with you the verses from Hebrews chapter 11, very familiar passages of Scripture. We're going to read the first three verses. I'm going to read this out of the New King James translation. Most people know this. Um, Let me get there. I thought I was there. Let me switch my translation here. It says this in verse 1. It says, Now faith 
is. Here's one thing about faith that you have to know. Your faith for last week is not enough for this week. Your faith for next year is fine, but the only way you're going to get to next year is by dealing with faith today. Faith is now, it's active, it's present in the very moment right now. And just because you may have believed God for something years and years and years ago doesn't necessarily just automatically mean it's going to happen today. That's why I encourage you to sow in faith when you sow your offerings, when you bring your tithes and all. Why? Because I believe it's important. Faith is now. Faith is active. There's, there's a presence to it. It says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So we see a connection here between hope and faith because they're not the same thing. Hope is just, it, it, it's a, a picture of the future that's desirable. You can say it this way, is that it's a confident expectation for good in your life. Is that even in the midst of a, of a challenge or whatever it may be, is that you still have the ability to believe God and trust God will be faithful to you despite what your circumstances are saying. But you can have faith, but if you have no hope, there's nothing to bring substance to. So I say it this way. You've got to have a picture in your mind of what you're believing for. If you can't see it in your heart, you're going to be challenged in bringing about and seeing God work for you. But if you have a picture of what you're believing for in your heart, now your faith has something to grab hold of. That it can produce, because it says that faith is the substance. In other words, faith brings into reality what you dream about. What you would hope for. What's a a good idea or something that you believe would be, you know, beneficial in your life. Your faith can take it from the unseen realm, which is your hope, and will bring it about into the natural realm. It says it is that faith is the evidence of things not seen. It says, uh, for by it the elders or those of previous generations obtained a good Testimony. It says in verse 3 that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were um, not, or the things that are seen were made not of things which are visible. In other words, we understand this. God spoke and said, let there be light. And guess what? There was a, a sun. He began to speak all of creation. Things began to happen. Out of nothing came something. You know, and I shared with you last week is that even this is that we have that same ability. Now, this isn't New Age weirdness, although they tried to hijack this. It's actually a biblical principle that, that, has, that people have tried to take and to use. But biblically speaking, this is one of the ways that God will work for us and with us. You know, in Genesis, when the Bible says that God created man... It says, let me make him in our image, in our likeness. And that I shared with you last week is that that word actually properly translated means this, is a speaking or a declaring spirit. So we have to speak words of faith. That's why it's important that we have to watch what we say all the time. I'm not denying fact. If, if I'm not feeling well and you ask me, are you sick? I'm not going to go, nope, I'm healed. No, I don't feel great. But I'm believing for healing. We don't deny what may be a present reality. It's just a present reality. But it doesn't have to stay that way. So we're not denying things, because I've been a part of things like that. And Please, if you're not feeling well and I ask you, don't tell me you're doing great. And I'm like, you look terrible. (laughs) Because you look sick. I mean, just, you know, if you don't feel well, you don't feel well, you know. Just be honest. Why? Because then at least I know, like, okay, well, 
I can hook you. Let me say it this way, is that faith is not denying. It's not. That, that's, that's what I would call fake faith. Questionable faith at minimal. But, you know, we have to understand, but there is a principle here that we see is that it says, by faith, the, God spoke the world into existence. Out of nothing came something. Well, we were created in the image of God. And one of the ways that God works with us and through us is, and it's not just that when we say anything, it's when our, what we say actually lines up with God's word that it becomes powerful. And God says, I can bless that. Now, the Bible is very clear about this. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So our words are very powerful, very powerful. I mean, just let somebody insult you and see how long the words just echo. Let somebody hurt your feelings by something that they said. That echo will hang around. Why? Because words are powerful. But the same way, let somebody say the right thing to you at the right time and see how much it ministers to your heart. Words are powerful. And that can produce strength long term. I mean, there are things I actually have it, uh, you know, when when somebody gives me like, you know, something that they... um, Believe is the Lord, and it resonates in my heart. I keep it. I have a file on my computer for like the last, I don't know, 18 years. And sometimes I just go through and I just read through them. And it encourages me. You know, Paul told Timothy to do that. He said, wage a good warfare with the prophetic word spoken over you. If you don't do that, that's a good practice to have. Because sometimes you need to go back and remind yourself of what God has said. Why? Because that will encourage your faith to keep going. And I've done that many times, you know, and it's always been such a blessing uh, for me. And so one of the definitions, if you will, uh, and I like this for, is that faith perceives as real fact what is yet to be revealed to the senses. Faith perceives as fact what I don't perceive or see in my moment right now. So I may be sick, but by faith, I'm going to tap into what the Bible says, which is by Jesus stripes, I have been made whole and well. So, Father, I thank you that healing is coming to my body right now, that health is, is springing forth in my life, and my body's being quickened. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. It's my promise. It's the promise of God to me. Even though I may feel terrible, I'm going to begin to speak words of faith. I may pay my bills and say, I ain't got no more money, but I still got some bills. Father, I thank you that you are my provider. I thank you that I have more than enough. I'm not denying that I don't have bills, let me just stick them in this drawer over here, and if I forget about them, you know, oh, sorry, guess I got lost in the mail. They're still going to come turn your power off. Right? They don't care if it got lost in the mail or what. They want to get paid. Well, are you speaking words of doubt, of unbelief, of, oh, my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen. Man, here we are again, and all of these things, and I mean, you know, the old Adage, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So you can amend it. If you ain't got nothing good to say, you might want to keep your mouth shut. Amen. Why? Because it's better to speak words of faith, trusting God, even though everything in the natural, you may look at it and be like, I am so screwed. If you will apply the principle of faith to your life, and you do it consistently, 
you will see it make a difference in your life. Faith will not keep adverse things from coming, but it does allow you to walk through them. To come out on the other side stronger and better than you would have had you not had faith. Here's another way that I would define hope is this, is that I believe that God can and I believe that God will help me. Hope is simply a confidence in God that says, I believe that you can and I believe that you want to help me. I believe you want to deliver me. I believe you want to heal me. I believe you want to bless me. Now, this isn't get-rich-quick Christianity. But as your pastor, please hear me. One of the things that has been heavy on my heart for more than a year, more than a year, is that many of you believe in the core of your being that God does not really want to bless you. That is not biblical. That is not the God that we serve. God wants us to walk in blessing, but yet you have to be able to actually have a mental picture of what that might look like. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, four homes and five cars and all. That's not what blessing looks like, because if you ain't got peace, blessing is peace. The blessing of the Lord is a home that is a sanctuary and well. I mean, yes, there are some financial sides, but look, if you're sick, all the money in the world. I mean, Steve Jobs, one of the richest people on the planet, couldn't get enough money to heal himself. He couldn't get enough, because trust me, he had the best doctors ever on the planet. Most wealthiest, one of the wealthiest men on the planet. All his money couldn't save him. Well, that's not blessing. I mean, sometimes too much money ruins people, too. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it depends on how you bless. But I will say, but as the pastor of this church, for, almost, for over a year, it has been in my heart about that. Is that for, and I've been praying about it and asking the Lord. Well, you've got to be able to have hope that God wants us to do better. God wants to help us to do better. It's not going to happen overnight. But it's step by step by step. I mean, I love this saying, and it's been ministered to me many times, is that God doesn't lead in leaps and bounds, but in steps and stages. In other words, God's going to tell you to put one foot in front of the other. Take that first step of faith. Okay. Now take another. Now take another. Now take another. And before long, you're going to look back, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that situation is totally different. And it was just one step after another after another. See, I believe we fall into what I call lottery mentality Christianity. We, we want to pull the lever and bing, and God just fixes everything. But sometimes there are things along that walk that we need to learn. That God wants to teach us so that we're prepared for the blessing that he wants to bring into, it, into our life. So hope is believing that God can and that he wants to. That God will work for you, will deliver you, will heal you, will bless you. That God would work for you. I love this. I was reading some stuff this week and I came across this quote. And I love this. Um, the way this guy said this. He says that faith is patience with mystery. Faith is patience with mystery. Because sometimes I'm like, God, what are you doing? Because I don't get it. And it doesn't seem like anything is happening. There's a mystery that's going on. 
but I'm not going to quit believing you even though I don't understand. There's a mystery right now in this moment, but I'm not going to back off even though I don't understand. Faith does not require understanding to be active. Faith can be active in the presence of a lot of uncertainty and a lot of mystery. I mean, I've shared this a lot, but when me and Dara first became the pastors of this church, three weeks later, we found out she was pregnant with Max. I'm like, praise the Lord, I just lost my insurance two weeks ago. And my prayer was, God, how is this the right time? Like this, you, you have screwed up this time. Like, I, I don't know, did you like get the calendar wrong? Like, did you miss a detail? Like, like how is this the right time? But I wasn't going to back off because I was like, all right, God, we're givers, we're tithers. Now, we had insurance. It's not that we didn't. I was just having to pay for it. Insurance is not nearly as fun when you're the one paying for it. It's a lot better when somebody else pays for it. You just don't see that bill. It's a little discouraging when you see it every month. But you know what? God provided every step of the way. Every step of the way. In my mind, I'm going, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? In every step of the way. Why? Because I watch the words of my mouth. I mean, one of the things that me and Dara said a lot during that time on a lot of, about a lot of things, not just financially, but even just in our life, everything's going to be all right. I don't know how, but everything's going to be okay. I mean, we were remodeling our home in the midst of all that too. So she's pregnant. We're gutting our house. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and all this happened really fast, by the way. We had like maybe two months of like wrap our brain around what's going on. So I go from one place where it seems like everything's certain and I kind of have a good idea of what's going on to where I know nothing in a moment. Well, there was a lot of mystery happening in that moment, but I knew it was the Lord. I didn't have understanding, but I did have trust. You know, I shared this last week, I believe, but Romans eight twenty eight. This verse says that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that God allows bad things to happen or brings about bad things into our life. But what he does say is that I will turn this for your good. Joseph said this to his brothers. What you intended for evil towards me, God intended for this moment to bring about so that I would be in position to not just save me, not just save you, but to save an entire nation of people. What you intended to destroy, God has now turned to use for all of our good. God didn't bring it about. But God says, I'm going to use what the the enemy was trying to destroy you with to bless you. See, so many times, you know, faith changes the way you see challenges. Why? Because it's not just a problem now, it's it's an opportunity that God can use to promote. So it's not just, oh man, I've got to, I'm, I'm facing a challenge, I'm, I'm facing this moment. Now it's a moment where it's, okay God, you're a, you can do something about this and you can use this not just to help me get out of this moment, but you're actually going to move me further along than where I would have. So thank you devil for picking a fight. Because what you thought would destroy, God is going to use to bless. That's the God that we serve. Faith is not feeling. Faith is not formula. You can't take what somebody else has done and just say, well, I'm going to do that and that's going to work for me. It's not going to work like that. You're going to have to ask the Lord, God, how do I need to be believing? 
I mean, you, you know, somebody may say, hey, you know, I was sick and the Lord told me to go get away for three days and not talk to anybody and just pray. When I got done with those three days, I was healed. Well, you can go do that. It's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But did the Lord tell you to do that? Like, oh, well, I tried that. It didn't work for me. Well, it's because you didn't ask the Lord if that's what you needed to do. I mean, there, so it's not just formula, but what faith is, it's a, a decision. It's a repeated choice all the time. It's a consistency of believing God. Now, I want to share just another a, a thought with you that. And then we're going to look at a, a specific uh, story, if you will, or, or a person. You know, many times is that we would hear things like that. What's the opposite of fear? And many people would say, well, it's doubt. Well, doubt's not really the opposite of fear. Some people would say, well, fear is the opposite. And look, and I've even said these things before. I've probably taught them in this pulpit. But it's not really totally accurate. Why? Because faith is moving without information. That's one of the ways I would say it. It's moving without knowledge. So the opposite of faith is not doubt and it's not fear. The opposite of faith is certainty. If I'm certain about a situation, I can move forward and I don't need God to work at all. Therefore, I don't need any faith. I've got this. I've got this. I mean, I've shared this story many times. I'll give you the recap. The first house that me and Derek ever bought, our budget, our, our, our housing budget doubled. But I knew that the Lord had told me that that was the house. And I could not sleep for weeks. I'd lay in bed thinking I'd be making the biggest mistake of my life. I'd never bought a house. I'm paying 600 bucks a month in rent. That was a stretch. I was like, well, praise God. You know, we've newly married. My mortgage was 1250 bucks a month. And I thought, this is going to bankrupt me. Thanks a lot, God. This is going to be awesome. And I'm I mean, I was worried. I, was, I had anxiety. I'm thinking, how can I get out of this? But I knew in my heart that, I mean, the Lord had spoke to me about the house. We had looked at it two years prior. I was going to work, and the Lord said, drive by that house. It was two blocks from my house. I didn't even know. They had just put a for sale sign. We went in, looked exactly the same, and said, we like it. We, we're tired of looking at houses. That's the one we want. It was in the neighborhood we wanted. It was everything we wanted. It was a nice home. It would facilitate the way we wanted to live with ministry and having young people in our home. And We lived in that house for five years. Five years. We never were late on any payment. It was never a struggle to live in that home. Not only that, we also got out of debt during that same season. Now, that's not logical. I was worried about paying the mortgage. Forget everything else. And God says, I can do more than that. But see, there was a limitation in my mind. Let me say this. There was a limitation to my hope of what was possible. Because my hope was not there. And my faith definitely was not there. And I was so worried and so concerned. Because I wanted something certain. I mean, like, just put it in real terms, like, oh, you know, because this goes back to that fake faith. Oh, well, God will give me a house for free 
If I hadn't believed God to pay the mortgage on a house, he probably can't give me a house because my faith has not grown to that level yet. That's just reality. Steps and stages. Like, well, wouldn't it have been better if God would have just given you a house? Yes, from my perspective. But from God's perspective, he was looking at it saying, David, you need to figure out how to trust me when it doesn't make sense. When everything in you is kicking saying, don't do this. Now again, here's the key factor. Please hear this. You've got to know it's the Lord. It's not just, God, this is my desire. Why don't you come and bless it? He doesn't have to bless what he didn't ordain. <laughs> now, God is faithful. We, we all have gotten ourselves into places that we shouldn't have been. That's when you need to cry out for some mercy. God, be merciful. <laughs> Help me get out of this. And that's important. But see, this is living out faith. But one of the areas and one of the things is that many times we believe that we can't have any doubt, like that faith is just rock solid. Faith and doubt can coexist. The key is, is to not let your doubt talk louder than your faith. I mean, a man came to Jesus. He needed his son healed. And Jesus looks at the man because there was commotion, all these things going on. And the man says, you know, Jesus looks at the man and says, your son will be well. And he says, or he said, just believe. And the man says, I do believe. Just help my unbelief. Help my doubt. Look, I, I believe you can work for me. Just help me get over my doubt. Well, you'll probably never get over it. I hope you hear that. You will probably never get over all your doubt. You'll never be such a faith giant that you just have no doubts. And if you are, I, I question your sincerity. Or I question if what you're doing is the Lord actually leading you. Because God will ask you to do things that it'll make you question. Like, am I crazy? Why would I do this? Oh, that's right, because I'm a faithful God. And because he's leading me in this. And because as, as he leads me, he will work for me and work with me. So you can have your doubts, but you just got to make sure your faith is louder. Don't let your doubt produce anxiety. You got to allow your faith to override those things. The opposite of faith is certainty. See, humans, all of us, human nature, we crave comfort. We do. None of us like change. There's like 2% of the population that actually likes change. They're really weird. That's why they're 2% of the population. 98% of people would prefer comfort, things to stay the same. We fight change. We all do it. I mean, there's a best-selling book called Who Moved My Cheese? That's a, I'm not kidding. It's a business book. Who Moved My Cheese? We all have some cheese somewhere, and we're like, what'd you do with it? If I can't find something, I'm going to go there. What'd you do with it? Because I would have put it back in the same spot. So I just blame her. I got to blame somebody. You know, Max, well, Max is old enough now, but now I blame her and she just blames Max. I'm like, well, shoot. The opposite of faith is certainty. 
See, what happens is, is that we fight for comfort at every level. We don't want God to push us and to press us and to say, why don't you believe me for more? For more? You're like, well, I've got a good job. I'm doing good. Okay, well, why don't you believe God for more? Why? Well, because you could do more for other people if you had more. It's not a selfish thing. It's, it's not just a, a for me and mine thing. It's God, I want to be a greater blessing. Well, how can God use you to be a greater blessing if he doesn't bless you more first? He's got to bring more blessing into your life so that you can be a greater blessing. But what happens is that many times we've, we've got everything figured out so we never attempt anything that, regu- that actually requires God to show up. Let me ask it another way. When was the last time that God gave you an instruction that you said no to? That you were resistant to? That you gave pushback to? And I don't mean just in big things. I don't mean like buying a house. I mean, it might be take that person to lunch and love on them and buy their lunch. I ain't spending money on them. You realize that's a, that's a defiant act, by the way. God doesn't give suggestions. He gives instructions. So that's actually qualified as disobedience. And what God is saying is that, look, I know that you don't like them, but you love me. And I'm going to ask, them to ask you to love them because you love me. And if you'll do it, I'll bless you. I don't like them. Well, you can hold on to your dislike and God can hold on to his blessing. Now, I say that from personal experience. Remember years ago, I was, was actually when I was in Bible school, I've shared this story before, but I know a lot of you haven't heard it. I was taking a class on love, loving people. And so we had an assignment that we had to write about on our final. So this guy believed in practical application. He didn't care so much about, you know, textbook. He wanted a practical application. And so a few weeks before the end of the class, he said, here's your, here's your assignment for your final. He says, I want you to pray and ask the Lord and, find, and figure out who the Lord says. He says, you're going to ask the Lord, who can I bless that I don't want to? I had a lot of Pauls praying that prayer. But I'm a student. I don't want to fail the class on love. I mean, that's bad. <laughs> you know. What church you go to? That pastor who failed that class on love, he's great. <laughs> this is not a good reputation to have. Not a good reputation to have. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give that guy $100. I said, no way. First off, $100 to me was a lot of stinking money. I was a broke college student, now I was a broke Bible school student. Give that guy $100. Like, he doesn't need my $100. As a matter of fact, he should probably give me $100. That sounds better in this equation. If he gives me $100, Lord, I would love him. That sounds better. God never responded. But the instructions still stood. So, a hundred dollars into his life. To this day, I don't know if I've ever sowed a harder seed than that. 
I've given more money than that. I don't know if I've ever had more of a heart check moment in the area of giving than that one. Because I was mad about it. I mean, I know the Bible says we're to give joyfully. I was not joyful. I was a little bitter, quite honestly. But it was a, it was a faith check for me. David, will you do what I tell you to do even when you don't want to? And to be quite honest, I had to swallow a lot of pride to do it. That was actually what God was after anyways. He wasn't after my 100 bucks. He was after the pride in my heart that would stop the blessing that he wanted to bring in my life. And yet I wasn't really walking in faith to the degree that I needed to yet to say, God, I'll obey you even when I don't understand it. Because I'm thinking of the thousand people that I know, why him? It could have been anybody. Anybody else. Because quite frankly, this particular individual drove me crazy. Just annoyed the crud out of me. I won't go into the details, but just, whew. But I knew that the Lord had spoke. And the problem was I had an actual deadline that didn't come from the Holy Spirit that I could stick in the drawer and just say, okay, we're going to ignore that one. Because I knew I had a final, and I knew I was going to have to write, what did you do, what did you learn? And I had two weeks. I think I did it the day before. I had lots of doubt in that moment. Like, this is pointless, but I don't want to fail. But I had a choice. It wasn't easy. I mean, it was really difficult. But I'm convinced. Because that's not the only time the Lord's ever done that to me. Where he said, would you do it? I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. See, that's faith. Sometimes God's going to ask you or maybe even stir something in you and just say, hey. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's a, a tremendous blessing, but the blessing is so scary because you think, I can't do that. I can't handle that. I'm going to fail if I stepped out to do that. I'm going to look stupid, sound stupid. I don't have the skill set that I need. One of the things that, that I believe is, that, as I said this, is that faith, or the opposite of faith is uncertainty. We figured everything out so we never attempt anything that requires God to show up. See, we're called to live a life of faith where we actually believe God big. <laughs> like to go way beyond our perception of what's possible. See, I believe that for our church, but what's more important is if I can't help you to understand it, our church will never get there either. But if you can live a life of faith, it will cause our faith to live, or our church to live a life of faith, and the impact of your life and the impact of this church will be greater than any of us ever thought. Why? Because God did it, not us. See, we shouldn't be able to look at our life and say, look what I've done. That should not be our right now. I'm smart enough. I'm talented enough. I work hard enough. I've done, you know, me, 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 me. I've done, I've done, I've done. I've created. I, you know, I work harder than anybody and look what I've created. 
Look what I've done. Now, we ought to be the most shocked at our life of anybody. And be like, I'm not this smart. I'm not this good. I work hard, but lots of people work hard. Here's how you know if, if you're living a life of faith. It produces humility in you. That's what God's after. Why? Because God puts you in a place where you're like, I cannot do this. Because you've stepped out on a limb and you're hoping it doesn't break. And God's saying, I've got you. And you're like, I, I question if, I, if this is going to hold me. And God's like, I've got you. It's not about certainty. It's about living a life of faith where it says only God could have got you there. Only God could have brought about these opportunities in your life. But what happens is many times is that we just want to stay in the place where it's safe, where we're comfortable. So we take the easy road because it's predictable and it's safe. We like predictable. But it's a lot more fun when you're out there on the ledge and God shows up. Predictable is boring. Now, there are certain things in life that you need to... Boring is good. It's good when you can pay your bills and not be late. That's good. Being boring and predictable in your budget, praise the Lord. I'll be boring and predictable all day long. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be other areas where if you really want to... I mean, like, think of it this way. How many disciples were there? Well, right? How many disciples walked on the water? Did he stay where it was predictable and perceived to be safe? Or did he get out on the winds and the waves and in the chaos and walk? Only one got to experience that. Everybody else, although they're all feeling the storm, only one of them got to walk out a miracle. See, but it requires faith. It requires that trust in God of just, God, I believe that you're going to help me. And I believe that you're going to help me succeed in this moment where I feel like I don't measure up. But Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to help me. To give me the wisdom I need, the understanding I need. Why? Because when we walk in faith, we live in faith, it pleases God. I still hadn't got to my text, by the way. We're going to have part three, and I've still yet to get to my story. I can tell you. Man. Right. I'll give you this example, and we'll wrap up, because I ain't even going to try. I have to get on the road. I have to go to Dallas tonight. And, uh, but, you know, the children of Israel walked in the desert for 40 years. The Bible says that about them. It says they walked for 40 years. And, but it says that even in the midst of their wilderness season, you know, God never left them. It said that he provided food for them every morning. It says that he gave them a cloud during the day to shelter them from the sun. He gave them the pillar of fire at night so that they would be warm as they slept. And it also kept critters and things away. And every morning when they woke up, he had breakfast. Even though... Everything in the natural said they were in a wilderness. God was there. God's protection was there. God's provision was there. 
The whole time they're in this wilderness, walking around, walking around, walking around, walking around, and God's saying, I'm, I'm with you even in the wilderness. Even, even though they had a promise of a promised land that they could not see, they knew it was somewhere, they just kept walking in circles, literally walked in circles. For 40 years, walked around the same mountain. It's like NASCAR. Hey, why don't you take a right turn? You might find your promised land. Nope. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. And yet even during the wilderness, even when it seemed like, and many people would even accuse God of saying, why did you take us out of Egypt to bring us out here to die? God's provision and protection was still there. All along. God never left them. He was always there with them, always being there for them. And the same thing is true for us. Even in the moments where we may feel like, God, where are you? God, why aren't you hearing my prayer? Why aren't you acting in this moment? Because we all have thoughts and flesh to deal with. It's even in those moments that yet God is still there, still providing, still protecting, still working. We just can't see it, but yet by faith, it can give me the confidence that says, God, it doesn't matter what my circumstances say, I still choose to choose you. See, I believe that for some of us, you're going to have to answer that question. Do you still choose God, even in the midst of your moment? Even in the midst of the challenge, even in the midst of the circumstance, that, if you will... Some of you may even have to be in a season where you say, God, I choose you even in the midst of my abundant blessing. Because see, the children of Israel got to blessing and they, the Bible says they forgot the Lord. So it's not always just a challenge. Sometimes in our blessing, we forget the Lord. In our blessing, we stop believing God to do more and to, to, to really stretch us and say, okay, God, you've brought me to this promised land, but where do I go from here? Because God always has something more that he wants to do in us, through us, for us, out of us. But that requires faith to enact that and to bring those things about in our life. So I want to challenge you. What are you believing God for, like actively? Not just passively, like, oh yeah, you know, I always pray for God to bless me. I always pray for God to give me faith. That's good. What are you actively pursuing God for right now? Because if you can't tell me right now, you don't have anything. Because if you were actively believing, it would be in the forefront of your mind. It's not passive. It's right there. We are called to live by faith. Our faith produces tremendous results. Tremendous results. When we believe God, when we trust Him, when, when we're active in, in our trust and our reliance, saying, God, I need you to work. I need you to move for me. I read this verse last week. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again next week, too, because it's good. All Scripture is good, but Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Verse, sorry, verse 20. He says, Now to him who is able... To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Now unto him. Now unto him. Now unto him who is able. We're not to be confident in ourselves or our own wisdom, our own thoughts or whatever it may be. Now unto him who is able. 
receive all glory, receive all honor. I don't want to get at the end of my life and say, look what I did. Isn't everybody proud of me? I did a good job. I want to look back at the end of my life and say, now unto him who is able to receive all glory, to receive all honor, because you alone are worthy. Because I didn't do this. There's no way I could have created the life that God has blessed me with. There's no way. So I want to be at the end of my... And again, faith will produce that humility. Why? Because it keeps you dependent upon God. Don't just settle into where things are convenient and easy. The Amplified Bible here of the same, verse, or same passage says this. It says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all that we would ask or dare ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams according to his power that works or according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church. Now unto him who is able to do super abundantly above You may be in a good place today. You may be in a terrible place today. You may be facing all kinds of challenges. But are you believing God in the moment, right now? God, give me a vision. And that may be a good prayer to ask. God, give me a vision for my life that you have for me. Not my vision for my life. Would you give me your vision? Would you open my eyes to see what you want for me? Because it'll cause that stretching to happen. Because God will challenge you. He does me all the time. Challenging, 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 pushing. He's stretching. Why? Because with God, we can do a lot more than we realize. A lot more. A lot more is possible. But we're not going to live those things out by playing it safe. Sometimes faith is risky. I mean, think about Peter walking on the water. It says that when he looked at the wind and the waves, he became discouraged. He was walking fine until he started looking at the wind and the waves. They were there all along. And yet even though he fell, Jesus was right there. One of, my, one of the greatest areas of my life that I found to be at war against Living in faith was this. I was afraid to fail. I was so afraid of missing God that I didn't follow God. I think there's a lot more people who live there than they would admit. I was so afraid of, well, it's got to be the Lord, it's got to be the Lord, it's got to be the Lord. Sometimes I think you can overpray things too. I believe the Lord's leading me to do that. Okay, well, is that good? Is that going to bless somebody? Is well, yeah, go ahead and do it. If it's good, God will bless you for it. As long as your heart's right. But for years, I was so afraid. I'd overpray things. It is possible. Because it's not faith-filled prayer. It's doubt-filled prayer that we're praying. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I have to just say, Lord, if this is you, let me see it. I don't need understanding. I, I don't need to have, you know, five steps to victory. Just tell me the next one. What's my next step? I'm not knocking those things. I mean, you know, there's good principles. There's good things that you have. But you have the Holy Spirit. He's the mind of God. He's the mind of Christ, the Bible says. 
and he's living in you. And God wants to challenge you to stretch out into what you don't even perceive as an option right now. Because God wants to be better to you than you think he does. But it's going to take some faith, and then you've got to enact your faith. Or I'm going to say it's going to take some hope, and your faith is going to have to be activated to bring that about. And you're going to see the hand of God work time and time again, over and over and over, and you're going to be like, man, I would have, look what I would have missed out on had I not lived by faith. Because that's the truth. We miss out when we don't live by faith. We miss out on God opportunities, God moments, God breakthroughs, God blessings. We miss out on all those things because we're not living an active life of faith. And yet that's exactly who we're called to be.